The best stuff course is light. the coldest Coors Light, but the showboat is closed. And if I can't have the coldest Coors Light, I want a six-ounce Miller Light in a tiny cup <laughs> at the slot machine. That you can stack up. Yeah, at Seal the Deal. Specifically at Seal the Deal. Did we really... It's sad that we missed that. We never... We talked about... We never did it. We talked about we just ordering it. a ton of them and just creating a huge stack, and we never did. Well, we'd also need to, like, hide my diamond card while we did it, because... Because then they would be like... They don't give that to, di- to diamond card members. <laughs> they're like, They'll be like, we'll bring you a glass bottle, sir. Yeah. So this is, sorry, you, you can have a real beer. Did you actually... Yes. Did you want something better than Miller Lite? No? Sir, would you like... Are you sure? A Vortex bottle? Welcome to episode four of Do For A Win, the AC and Casino Biz podcast. Uh, my name is Craig Stone. With me is Kyle Askin. Howdy. It's been two weeks, and most of what's happened in the, lot to, in the last two weeks has not been terribly positive, to put it mildly. There is bankruptcy. There is more defaulting on loans. There is North Jersey casino news, and it's just a lot of... Negativity. So, uh, you know, I tried to be positive and to come at this with with positive stuff, but I think we have to go right into the downer. So, it seems possible, increasingly possible, that Atlantic City will have to declare bankruptcy or work out some kind of deal with the Borgata because they were supposed to pay the Borgata $62.5 million on. Sunday, December 20th, as part of a $145 million tax refund for the 2009 and 2010 taxes, they did not make that payment. So that December 20th came and went. No money was sent to the Borgata. So they've missed that deadline. Uh, and now the Borgata is saying, what the hell, we we need our money. You've paid everyone else. So basically what happened is uh, all the casinos in Atlantic City had their property values reassessed over the past few years because, you know, Atlantic City's not exactly a boom, <laughs> boom market. So uh, as they've had these property t- property values reassessed, their tax um, tax assessments have gone down. So what they owe in property taxes has gone down substantially. And so Atlantic City has paid most of the um, tax overages back to the other casinos. Borgata obviously um, was probably the highest valued casino at the city's value of $2.26 billion. A judge in 2013 knocked that down um, to a 2009 value of $880 million, so about $1.4 billion, <laughs> and a 2010 value of $870 million, so even lower. Um, so now the city owes a shit ton of back taxes to the Borgata, and Mayor Don Guardian is saying that Atlantic City just does not have that kind of money on hand. So what what the hell? What's going on? So, right, I think you did a good job of summing everything up. Uh, I listened to an interview the other day with Don Guardian where he... Uh, was talking about what was going on, and uh, basically he says they're sitting down with 
Borgata because it's not really in anyone's best interest for, you know, if Borgata really pushes this to the limit, it could possibly force Atlantic City to declare bankruptcy because they just don't have the money to give them now. And so the next thing that Borgata offered is they're like, that's fine, we're just not going to pay you any property taxes until this difference is made up. And Atlantic City said no to that as well because, I mean, they make a lot of their yearly revenues from Borgata, with Borgata being, you know, the biggest and most successful casino in Atlantic City. And that would all be budgeted for already. <laughs> right. I mean, they can't just not have that money for the next few years. So uh, from what I heard from Don Guardian, uh, they're sitting now with Borgata. Borgata's at the table with them. And they're trying to figure out something that would be mutually beneficial to both sides, because clearly for the Borgata, it's not good for them if Atlantic City declares bankruptcy, because for one thing, it's going to, you know, the, it's going to be up to a judge where the money that Atlantic City does have would go, which probably wouldn't be, you know, all to the Borgata. So they would take a big haircut on what they're owed. And secondly, it would just be bad generally for Atlantic City, which while Borgata probably isn't as affected by Atlantic City as a whole's health as many of the other casinos, it still is affected by the general overall health of Atlantic City, and it's good for nobody if Atlantic City is in bankruptcy. And something that Don Guardian talked about was he said we can't really compare Atlantic City to Detroit, who famously did declare bankruptcy a couple of years ago because Detroit wasn't really a you know, they didn't make their money off of tourism. And he thinks that, you know, it would really hurt Atlantic City because of it would really hurt their reputation to declare bankruptcy. It would not help them get uh, tourists and not help them get uh, conventioneers. Yeah, and it's, it's a real problem, I think, for them. Um, and you nailed it with the tourism thing because I, th- I think – there are a lot of people who don't really understand bankruptcy um, and don't necessarily understand that it's kind of a a way to come to solutions uh, that are hopefully workable or at least, you know, the best solutions given a very bad scenario. Um, and it doesn't mean that, like, the city's shutting down and that the AC Expressway now shuts off before you cross over the bay <laughs> and that you can't go into Atlantic city and go to the casinos and go to the restaurants anymore. I mean, I think that I'm not saying that I think people necessarily think it's, it's that drastic, but I do think people think, Oh, well, stuff closes, you know, Atlantic city is not going to be able to run itself basically if it goes bankrupt. And that's just not, not good for a city that already has image problems. Um, and even if, if that's not necessarily what people believe, it's definitely, goes more into this feeling of that Atlantic City is kind of this no longer a premier destination, um, kind of a second-rate struggling town, um, and that's just, that's also not good. So, I mean, we saw when Hurricane Sandy happened that people reported, CNN and other news uh, outlets reported that a huge swath of the boardwalk was destroyed, and it happened that that boardwalk uh, portion was even up past revel. Nobody ever goes there. It was going to be closed and torn down anyway. But when you have that perception where people have seen on TV something destroyed, they don't want to go anymore. They think, oh, Atlantic City's busted up. It's closed. And this goes even further into that, um, where you're going to have headlines basically saying, you know, Atlantic City's financially busted up. 
and I don't think it's going to make people want to to make that trip. Right, and I mean, just to get a little bit more into like some of the things that they're struggling with, I don't know, have you seen the, um, in the last few months, there have been a couple articles specifically about the uh, the lifeguard pension situation in Atlantic City? Have you read any of them? No. So, basically, you know, uh, Chris Christie appointed a like emergency, whatever planner for Atlantic City, who's been working with Don Guardian and all the people in Atlantic City to try to get their costs under control. Um, who is also which, who is also an advisor for Detroit, as I understand it, in their bankruptcy. Right. So, one of the things that came up and is talked about a good bit like one of the costs that they have is that there was a law passed in either the twenties or the thirties, I think the twenties talking about uh, the pensions that lifeguards get in Atlantic city. And it's basically a situation where if you were a lifeguard for 20 years in Atlantic city, you get, you know, half, half your salary for the rest of your life. And not only that, but it goes to, after you die, it goes to your descendants as well. Holy crap. And right. And it's something that they're paying out, I think a little over a million dollars a year into that. And you know, their total budget is like $350 million. So it's a reasonably significant portion of their budget. It's just one example of a thing that they're trying to get under control. And, you know, one could make the argument that something like bankruptcy would help get those those kinds of costs under control where, you know, what leverage do they really have against the people that they've already, you know, signed the contract with when you become a lifeguard to that you're going to have this pension. I mean, it's not like the pensioners really have much interest in taking less money. Right. Um, but. I mean, it's just an example of the kind of things that, I mean, Atlantic City, I, I, I personally think that they've done a good job the last few years of trying to get things under control. But, you know, I mean, honestly, when your budget has to be cut as much as Atlantic City's budget's been cut because of their loss of revenues from taxes, from all these casinos shutting down and from, you know, the other casinos being valued at a, a fraction of what they were valued in 2005 and 2006, I mean, it's never going to be an easy process. Should, could you argue that they should have seen this devaluation coming further ahead? Uh, I mean, maybe. So, I mean, here's the thing, right? They should have known that when they assessed Borg at whatever, $2.2 billion in 2009, which was after the worst of the crisis, like that probably wasn't going to stand up in court. You know, they were probably going to get taken to court and it wasn't going to hold water because, you know, as we've seen a property like the Revel, which I think is the only property that's within the same league as Borg in terms of, you know, I guess niceness in quotes, whatever that means, you know, was sold for $82 million. I mean, it had a lot more problems than that, but they, they should have known that it was coming. And, and in their defense, have you read much about the uh, like what they're trying to do now with the, all the taxes and the tax base in Atlantic City? The, like the pilot bill, the payment in lieu well, of right taxes. payment in lieu of taxes. So, so what they're what they're trying to do now is basically lock in the tax rate of all the casinos and basically make it based on uh, their revenue instead of making it based on property values, which is based on now, which clearly 
you know, you can have things happen like when there's a huge devaluation of property values in Atlantic City, like happened at the end of the last decade. Uh, you know, it's going to absolutely destroy Atlantic City's revenue base. So basically, they're trying to get this bill passed, which I believe did pass the House in New Jersey, and it did not get voted on in the Senate before the break. And so I think it would need to be passed in the Senate uh, pretty soon after they come back from recess in about a week. But uh, so if this passes, it's basically going to make their tax base be based on uh, the revenues of the casinos rather than their assessed property value. Which, to me, uh, the payment based on revenue seems more intuitive as as an outsider and somebody who, you know, doesn't own any real estate, let alone a casino or something that's a business mm-hmm. that's bringing revenue. But, it, you know, as far as the what the value is, the the property value to me doesn't seem as meaningful as, as the revenue. Although I guess they should be pretty tightly tied together. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's not like Atlantic City doesn't have its hands in some of the revenue anyway. You know, it's not like there's not occupancy taxes and sales taxes and like whatever else. I mean, I guess a lot of that's to New Jersey and not to Atlantic City specifically, but I mean, the government does have their, their hands in the revenue cash flow already. Yeah, right. So there, and, and the state does too. So, right. you know, the, the casinos are already paying out a lot in revenue. So, so I'm sure to them right. it would seem like, you know. I mean, it, it's like, it's like I pay income taxes and I also pay property taxes on the house that I own. So, I mean, that's kind of how it was in Atlantic City, but it's just that they horribly misassessed the value of these casinos during the big downturn, which actually, I wasn't a homeowner in the sort of 2005 to 2010, like the big whoosh down that the economy took and that home values took. But, I mean, I know a lot of people that were, and I know that a lot of them had to appeal and appeal and appeal their their tax value, or their assess property values to whatever their local county council or whatever. So so thinking about this from the casino perspective, you kind of make a good point from the homeowner side, which is that you get an income tax and then you get a property tax. So this would be kind of like saying, well, now we're going to tie your property tax. Instead of paying your property tax, you're going to pay us an income tax. And so normally, you know, you made a real estate investment and paid X amount for your house that is a set amount that was set when you purchased it whenever, whether that's, you know, 2005 or just to pick a number, well, your housing value may not go up as as fast as your income, right? So, you know, if you make 50% more, 20% more in income, uh, <laughs> you know, having your property taxes effectively be tied to that seems kind of crazy. So, um, so yeah, that does make sense in that in that aspect. I don't know if I explained that well at all, but that's at least kind of makes more sense to me. I, don't, I mean, I'm I'm personally interested, and in, you know, I've read a decent number of articles about uh, this pilot program they're trying to get passed. I've never really heard what the casinos really think about it. I suspect that they're not huge fans of it, but 
I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, there's some other things tied into the pilot program where it's like you, it can only go up or down a certain percent each year. I think 2% or 4% or something like that. So it really locks it in. I think it was, uh, I think the, the city of Atlantic City said they wanted to get either 120 or $150 million per year out of the casinos through this program and just make it kind of more set in stone so it's not something that wildly fluctuates because, you know, it's hard for them to make payroll and make sure all their, their budget's in order when something can happen and the property value of the casinos can go down by 60% in a couple of years. Yeah, and, like, for casinos close, like we saw right. last year, or, well, now, in 2014, and it it didn't really make a drastic decrease in the revenue, right? right. So the, the the decrease in revenue was not a third or anything close. So, but the property tax base goes down probably not a by lot. a third, but by a lot more than what the revenue percentage yep. is down. Uh, so that, that's something that's going to keep unfolding. I expect it will unfold fairly fast. Um, so we probably will have an update on the next episode. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, like I said, I, I think it's, the Senate's only going to have a day or two or three or something like that to either vote on it and get it passed and get it into Chris Christie's hands to do something with, or if they don't vote on it, I think they kind of have to start the whole process over again. Well, I'm sh- because it, it passed one side. It, I think I think it passed the House or or whatever the that part of the legislature of New Jersey is called the, the Assembly. It, it ha- I think. <laughs> yeah, the Assembly, but it hasn't passed the Senate yet. So so. I'm just going to assume, based on Murphy's Law, that whatever is going to happen um, is going to happen between recording this and when we get posted, which is a, a totally ridiculous assumption because That'd we're be pretty shocking recording on Saturday. A, it's the weekend. Yeah. B, I think they're on recess for another week. So I think that, that that's unlikely to happen. It would be incredible, and somewhere in the, in the press release uh, it would say, like, this is just to spite... Craig and Kyle at do for a win, which would be kind of impressive. I would really, That'd be great. you know, that, you know, one of our 14 listeners is, is somebody in, in the state assembly. I'd be fine with that if they want to do that. Um, yeah. So moving on to more, more downer news, since that's going to be the theme of the show. Uh, the steel pier, um, is also facing tough financial times and Firestone financial, who I guess is, is a, owns uh, loans from from the steel pier is owed loans from the steel pier says that the pier has defaulted on 1.5 million dollars in loans which seems like just play money compared to what we were talking about with with borgata and and what the city owes them but you know the steel pier is obviously uh not playing on the casino's level in terms of revenue it turns out that the rides on the steel pier are what are the collateral for this loan so Firestone Financial is threatening to come in and rip out half of the rides from the steel pier. It would effectively shut the thing down. Um, the steel pier, their lawyers claim that removing those rides would require about 10,000 man hours of labor and structural reinforcement on four blocks of the boardwalk. So obviously a pretty big job. Uh, the steel pier, I think it, had started a renovation a couple of years ago. Um, I want to say $2 million renovation. I don't know really where that stood because I haven't paid a ton of attention to the steel pier. It's not something we typically do. Uh, I don't know that I've ever even walked out onto the steel pier. 
So, oh. yeah, jump keep in. talking. Um, I mean, personally, I haven't ever been on the steel pier. I've certainly walked by it many, many times, and I've looked at it, and it's got a couple, you know, little food stands or shops right at the the entrance to it, but I've never walked down it. So, so part of the renovation I know was that they added like a Phillips to go thing and and a burger place. I think it's called Empire Burger. <laughs> um, I guess is playing. I guess is playing off the. Uh, boardwalk empire thing um but you know it doesn't still doesn't look like it's fancy or anything in there uh you look in and it's just it's a bunch of those claw machines and and some rides it's a typical beach boardwalk pier amusement center thing uh so that's you know not typically what we go for <laughs> uh so I'm, I'm not really sure what to think about this i don't really know where this is going to go, there's talk that this uh, Casino Reinvestment Development Authority is going to step in and may help out um, just to keep it from closing. But, you know, it would definitely be damaging, right, to the city to to have a pier that is half closed, right? <laughs> I mean, that just looks really bad. But I can't get too worked up about this on a personal level. I'm assuming. I mean, of course. I think, of course, it's bad for Atlantic City, especially because, to me, I, I think that the pier or the piers are so tightly tied to a lot of the history of Atlantic City and what people were doing, you know, 50 years ago when they went to Atlantic City. I, I think the steel pier had a lot, had a big role in that. So, I mean, I think it it can't help Atlantic City. Uh, just I think they lose a certain amount of prestige if it goes away or, you know, they lose something if it goes away. But like you said, I mean, I've never been on it. I I mean, I'd walk down it, I guess, if I was thinking about it. But this is something I haven't done just because, you know, when we go, it's it's to gamble and to eat food and stuff like that. And not necessarily to, you know, play laser tag or ride the rides or whatever is on the pier. Right, so one thing that strikes me is what you know. I, I'm certainly not above playing those games where you're like throwing a softball at dinner plates or whatever on the boardwalk, but not really in Atlantic City. You know, if I'm going to go play soccer games, I'm going to go play three card poker or, or some sort of you know bonus bets <laughs> on blackjack. Right, I'm not going to go try to win a fifty cent stuffed animal by knocking down some weird stuffed cats with like a frisbee. Um, so, but you do make a good point about the the history, right? Because Steel Pier is definitely an iconic thing in Atlantic City. It's the home, or former home, I should say, of the, the diving horses, which is one of the historical things about Atlantic City that, that people still talk about. It still gets brought up. Um, and really, the one of the things that, that I find very interesting about Atlantic City, and when we talked a couple episodes about you know, what do you love about Atlantic City or what makes Atlantic City different than Vegas? And we kind of struggled to come up with things. One of the things that I, I kind of thought about was, you know, in the interim was that Atlantic City has, to me, has a, such an interesting history. And obviously Vegas has its own history that's that's probably more interesting than I'm giving it credit for. Um, but to me, Vegas just seems like, you know, some mobsters came in and, and decided that they wanted to make a casino and that would be an easy way to make a lot of money and obviously, you know, things changed and you've got 
the aviator and Kirk Krikorian and all that stuff coming in and, and make, cleaning it up and whatever. But, but Atlantic City is just so odd, right? Because it, it was started as, as allegedly a seaside health resort. Um, it always tries to claim that it has these, these wholesome roots of, you know, a family resort. It was the family resort for the working class, and it was, you know, the playground of the East Coast. And that's just all bullshit. I mean, if I've learned anything from reading uh, just a ton about Atlantic City history and, and reading Boardwalk Empire, the book, and reading War on the Shore, uh, about to read David Schwartz's Boardwalk Playground, I'm sure we'll say similar stuff. There's no innocent history to Atlantic City, and it's really just this... This long con, right, <laughs> of, of trying to figure out the best way to separate people from their money. And Steel Pier is part of that. The Diving Horse Show is part of that. And and so that sort of history I find very interesting. Um, you know, that's totally off topic from from Steel Pier, Steel Pier losing its roller coasters or whatever. But just, you know, the logo of the Steel Pier and, and the piers themselves, the history of the piers, I think is really a pretty... Uh, important part of the city. Right, and I think the Steel Pier is... So, the two big piers I think about when I when I think about the history of Atlantic City are the Steel Pier and the Million Dollar Pier, which has sort of been through many you know, changes since then, and it's, it's now the playground. But, uh, you know, with that having gone through so many changes, and I think there was a fire, uh, you know, in the 70s or 60s or something like that, uh, that burned down the mansion on the right. million dollar pier. Mansion, but one Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, which is still the address of the playground, I believe. Is it? Yes, it says one Atlantic Ocean right under the playground logo. But I mean, I think the steel pier is sort of like I like we've been talking about. It. I've never been on it, but I imagine that when I walk on it, you'd have a feeling of classic Atlantic City, and I'm sure. Like, I'm positive that there's a lot of people that, you know, have been going to the Steel Pier for their whole lives, and losing it to them would lose the reason to go to Atlantic City. So so you did not get the feeling of classic Atlantic City when we walked around the playground and T Street, is that what you're saying? Right. And, you know, I love, you know, I mean, we've spent a lot of time on the pier, we've eaten a lot of meals on the pier, and it's... It's very nice, but it's not classic Atlantic City. No, no, it's definitely sort of new. You know, the Continental, the sushi place that we always go to, you know, the, the there's a bunch of jewelry stores. I get updates now from the Playground's Twitter all the time about their, like, Louis Vuitton sales and stuff like that. Like, that's not what... You know, that's a far cry from a horse that jumps off of a tiny platform into a little pool of water. I mean, it's the Atlantic Ocean. It's a pretty big pool of water. Well, they didn't jump into the ocean. No, didn't they? No, they jumped into some tub, I think. I'll have to go... I don't think so. No, I think they jumped into the ocean. I mean, it might have been like a little netted off area, but I think it was into the ocean. Uh, I'm going to have to go watch some videos to, to, to right. catch up. So speaking of the playground, um, so they we talked about their New, Year, New Year's Eve program where they were trying to get 3,000 people all popping champagne corks at the same time. They had a deal uh, where you could go to their huge end event space and they would give you a champagne bottle of your own and simultaneously they all would pop the champagne bottles and break a Guinness World Record. They succeeded. They totally sold out of 3,500 tickets. Um, 
I haven't seen anything about this. I Google News searched it today, and other than their Twitter where they said, we did it, we broke the record, um, it didn't even have a total number, it didn't have anything about, you know, did it happen right at midnight, what was the timing, where was it at, no pictures, nothing. It just said we did it, celebrating. Um, So I don't know if they're waiting for the final number verification or if this is just the sad state of the the news pickup. You know, when you send out a press release, you want to check the pickup rate, where it gets published, you know, who's seeing it, that kind of stuff. And I have just seen nothing of it. So that's probably not the best sign, but they did do it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be something that they'll use to promote themselves, but not necessarily... uh, as big a splash as I would have hoped now, um, two days after the fact. Right. So, I mean, you're the journalism major, so you're the one that has, you know, the expertise in talking about things like pickup. But for me, I'm happy they did it. But yeah, if you don't hear anything about it, there was no reason to do it probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this has kind of been a problem with Atlantic city the past few years, right? Is the revel opened to, almost no fanfare. They did very little promotion. I can't imagine what their promotional marketing budget when they first opened was because you and I have talked about this many times. We would not have even known that it had opened if we didn't do like Atlantic City Google News searches every couple of days. Um, And so this seems kind of similar. You know, the playground which we saw was was struggling a little bit when we were there in the summer. They Their website, I feel like, is not a great promotion. It kind of has a bunch of empty space about what's coming up, who the music acts are. So that's not necessarily the best sign. And then here you've got this big event that's all for publicity, but then either they tried and failed or or didn't try hard enough to get the word out and to get the publicity that this was supposed to buy them. So that's it's concerning, um, but in the long term, I, I doubt it'll have that much effect. I doubt even if it got a lot of pickup, it would have had a lot of effect, but it just would have been nice to see. So unless you have more to add on, on the playground and their New Year's Eve record, uh, we can move back to major macro issues, I guess. <laughs> um, Sounds good to me. So... This seems to be in your wheelhouse, right? Big macro issues, budget problems, bankruptcies. Uh, So North Jersey casinos we talked about might be on the ballot. It seemed like a sure thing that there was a state assembly version. There was a state senate version. They did not agree, but it seemed like something was going to be on the ballot. A couple of days after we recorded that, it came out that it might not happen, and there's some infighting, and there's political back and forth, which seems strange to me because the news that I had heard about the two proposals was that it's not like they had to agree. You know, that at some point they could just sign up and say, well, we're just going to pick one. And I'm not even clear on who would have the power to do that, <laughs> but it seems like they didn't actually have to compromise and come up with a final solution. But now they're getting to a point where they need to make a decision. There are outsiders kind of coming in and trying to wield their influence. So, and it seems like it might not happen. So there are the two plans. There's 
uh, Senate's version, which had a public hearing on December 21st, uh, that would require both of the new casinos to be owned by existing Atlantic City casino operators. Uh, then there's the assembly version, which only requires that one of the two new casinos have an existing Atlantic City casino. Apparently, there's also differences about um, the, how the gambling tax revenue is, is divvied up, how much of that goes to support the city of Atlantic City, um, I believe one of the versions is drastically less money to Atlantic City. Uh, so all of this seems to be not really resolving itself. And then on top of that, the mayor of my fine city, Jersey City, uh, Stephen Fulop, has apparently stepped in and is trying to wield his influence, um, even though he's not a state politician. He is apparently a, if not front runner, um widely considered to be a strong candidate for the next to be the next governor. He's apparently calling in favors because he wants to have a mega casino in Jersey City. Uh, so he's trying to sort of wield his influence and it's creating fractions because I think his goal would be to have it be the assembly plan that only requires one of the new licenses but anyways, all this is leading to fighting. I'll have links uh, in the show notes that you can catch up on all this. But there's a public hearing January 7th for uh, the, the assembly plan. And after that, they need to start getting down to business and figuring out which plan they're going to go with. Is this thing going to go forward? Is it going to be on the ballot to vote for? Uh, so what seemed like a sure thing that would happen is now – uh, not necessarily a sure thing at all. Well, a sure thing that it would be on the ballot. We had a long debate about whether or not it would succeed. What I've had trouble finding is what is the deadline, <laughs> right? Like, what is the deadline to actually get something on the ballot? Because if it's January 15th, <laughs> then they're in trouble. If they've got five months, then it seems much more likely that something's going to go through. So I haven't found that. I'll see if I can and, and update it in the blog post or something. Um, but as far as the two plans are concerned, what is the, what's the major benefit of having Atlantic City casino operators run the North Jersey casinos, like from the state's perspective? I mean, honestly, I'm not really sure how that I mean ostensibly it's been put out there because people are saying it will benefit Atlantic City or at least not hurt Atlantic City as much as the other option of having you know some potentially unrelated third party come in and open a casino in North Jersey would hurt Atlantic City but uh, uh, either way if there are casinos opening in North Jersey that will be bad for Atlantic City and, and like I said last episode, it doesn't matter if it's Caesars opening a casino there. It's going to be bad for Atlantic City. I mean, I think you can claim like, well, they'll get comps there and they'll be able to go down and use them in Atlantic City. So it'll be fine. But realistically, I don't, I don't think it will be. So I'm guessing that the argument with the with the operating casinos is that having a North Jersey casino is going to be such a boon to these companies and if you have to have an Atlantic City casino up and running, 
you know, suddenly you can't close your Atlantic City casino because you've opened a North Jersey casino. I mean, so, so okay, so, to play devil's advocate, I mean, we've, we've already seen, uh, you know, Caesars to shut down one casino, which was making them money. And I think that they're going to shut down Bally's at some point, which is making them money. And they have no plans of, I would think they would have no plans of shutting down Caesars or Harrah's. So saying that you have to have a casino in Atlantic City to open a casino somewhere else in the state, like it, it wouldn't really hold them back. And it, but, and it wouldn't help Atlantic City to say that because, like I said, if it's Caesars, for example, you know, it's not going to change what they do at all. Right. I mean, and that's, and this all goes back to, like you said, Caesars having multiple casinos. Like, does it, would it mean that they can't close any of their casinos? That seems impossible. Like that, I just don't see any way that that would be in, in the bill, right? In the referendum. Uh, and so are, are are they just hoping that Caesars is so in so much trouble that they're not going to do it? Because that's crazy. They've opened Horseshoe. They've opened other other things. <laughs> and Great. Um, I know that Hard Rock was mentioned as a potential partner in the Meadowlands. Hard Rock International, which is the one owned by, I believe, the Seminole Tribe. The Seminole Tribe, yeah. Um, it's the East Coast Hard Rock, not the West Coast Hard Rock. Right. So they are. They've been mentioned as a partner in the Meadowlands Casino. So I'm guessing that's where the full up argument comes in. Is that if they do, you know, Hard Rock obviously doesn't have an Atlantic City casino. So so they need the version that only requires one one of the two to be licensed, but. You know, from the minute that this thing was even mentioned as a possibility that a referendum could be on the ballot, Meadowlands has seemed to be the most obvious destination. Um, I, I feel like it's similar to the way that National Harbor was kind of always presumed to be a casino option in Maryland. And even though that took a while, it eventually did happen. Well, it hasn't happened yet, but it's under construction. So, you know, if... If Hard Rock opens a casino in the Meadowlands, all of a sudden it's more difficult to get a casino in Jersey City. Also, they're extremely close together. Uh, Jersey City and, and I guess Meadowlands is probably considered Secaucus or whatever. Those They're very close together. Um, I know that the bill requires any casinos to be located 75 miles from Atlantic City. I'm not sure what it would say about locations really close to each other in the new casinos, I would assume there's some distance requirement there because you wouldn't want to open, you know, really Secaucus in Jersey City wouldn't make any any sense. Uh, they're too close together. They're like one stop apart on the New Jersey transit, so that doesn't really make any sense. Um, so I'm assuming that's where all the infighting comes from. And I don't really see the two... The requirement that both casinos have Atlantic City roots, if you want to call them that, <laughs> Atlantic City property, I don't really see that being the winner just because it seems like the power players are already rooting against that and fighting between themselves over which one they get. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't really see that happening. Um, I'm For my own selfish purposes, I'm rooting against it. I'm rooting against this even getting on the ballot. <laughs> just because I think it would be so bad for Atlantic City. but And I don't really want a casino in, in Jersey City, which sounds funny, 
Um, but I don't, I don't need a casino that I can walk to. Uh, I don't know that I would even go very often because to me the draw is the city and the atmosphere and the cluster of casinos together. And I also think just from a you know societal standpoint, not everyone needs a casino between their work and their house. You know, you don't need to make that stop on the way home. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing if it's a destination that you have to go out of your way for. Um, so that's just me getting into my moral high horse, which is a funny thing to do on a gambling podcast. So I'm just going to go ahead and leave it at that. Um, but I'm definitely rooting against this thing 100%. Uh, I have a couple comments. So, so first... Uh, everything I've heard is if this passes, there's going to be two casinos, probably one in Jersey City and one in Meadowlands. So you can say it doesn't make sense to you, but I, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, secondly, about the moral high horse thing, I, I think that that's well and good, but you know the state's out to make the state money. I mean, you can say that it, is it. You know, I don't know what it's like in New Jersey because I don't live there, but does it make sense that for like a lot of TV broadcasting and sports and stuff that like the main number one like lead sponsor is like the state lottery when you know, I think that's like unequivocally like a horrible thing for society? Like, is that a good thing? Like, probably not, but it makes the state a lot of money. So, oh, well, I'm, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm not saying that that policy should be based on that. I'm just saying from a personal standpoint. I don't like it. <laughs> right. And and I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think the lottery is terrible. But Oh, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I saw $20 scratch-offs in a vending machine the other day. And it's incredible to me that you cannot gamble legally in a lot of states that also have where you can just walk up to a vending machine and put in $20 and get something that has these horrendous odds, right, that's probably way more detrimental to a way bigger portion of the population <laughs> that probably shouldn't be putting their money into that than a casino that's all the way down in Atlantic City um, or even a casino that's in Jersey City uh, probably would be to people. So that's that's my rant on that, and we can probably move on to other things unless you have <laughs> anything to add, add about North Jersey. probably a good idea because I, I don't have a lot of good to say about the lotteries. You know, like, like, like I said, it's... It drives me crazy when, you know, it's like the the main title sponsor of, of the Washington Nationals is the D.C. Lottery. It's like the worst thing in the world. Uh, it makes no sense on so many levels. Well, now it's all, you know, I guess if they're going to have FanDuel being... Yeah, it's, that's true. Invested Investors in FanDuel are the leagues. Um, I, I guess they're pretty much <laughs> gone on that argument anyway. I mean, you got to make that paper. So, so new stuff. Let's talk about some new stuff. Uh, the have you heard about the polar coaster? Ironically, I have because I'm you know friends with you and you send me a lot of things. So, the polar coaster, not polar like a bear or like the express, but pole or like pole like a flagpole. Um, has been approved, the design for this has been approved by the CRDA. And so there's also one that's been designed for Florida. And basically, I don't even know how to describe this thing. I'll have a link to it 
in the blog post for the show. So I encourage you to go click. It looks freaking crazy. It is basically a giant spire-like thing with a roller coaster wrapped around it. And that, even describing it in that way, does not do it justice in how insane it looks. I mean, it looks freaking terrifying. But they want to open one in the old sand space, which, as you know, has been empty for a very long time. Um, so it, it apparently it has been approved by the CRDA. Uh, I don't know what that means for moving forward. My dog has just walked out to cough loudly onto the podcast, so he <laughs> says hi. Um, so this polar coaster thing, besides just looking insane, um, it's supposed to have a bar attached to it. It's supposed to be an attraction in and of itself. And the thing that kind of strikes me about the polar coaster, well, the first thing that strikes me about the polar coaster is that you're going to have a bunch of idiots at clubs now using just God, the god-awful line of, you know, hey, do you want to go ride the polar coaster? Uh, is that it's on its own. It's not part of some other development. It's not part of the Steel Pier, which, as we know, is not looking to add any rides. Um, it's not part of a casino. It is just there. It's just going to be its own thing. I, I guess they're going to build attractions around it. Um, Kyle's asking me what that noise is, and that is the dog. That is my pug who is going nuts. So enjoy that. I'm sorry, but uh, I may try to cut it out. I may not. <laughs> um, but anyways. I had, to, I had to mute myself because I was laughing so hard because it's so loud. Was it the coughing or the scraping on the floor? Because he does both. I yeah. I don't know, man, but it was loud. Well, he, he's gone back into the closet, so he's in his little carrier in the closet. But he's he's struggling. Um, so, anyways, the the polar coaster. So, do you do you want to ride the polar coaster? Um, I would do it. I I would not do it. Are you are you not a roller coaster person? I don't mind roller coasters, but this thing I don't like heights. So roller coasters are already sort of at the tipping point. But I I. Honestly, I don't like heights either, but I do like roller coasters. So, like, uh, you know, like uh, when I was cleaning out my gutters, you know, whatever, 30 feet in the air, it was pretty terrifying for me. But I like roller coasters, so I would ride it. I mean, I'm ready to throw up just looking at this thing. Like, it's, there's so many downs and ups and downs and ups and big, I mean, it's obviously, you know, however many feet tall. So when we went to Vegas a couple of years ago, did you go on the New York, New York? No, I did not go on the New York, New York roller coaster. Uh, so this thing's supposed to be 350 feet tall. So that's mm-hmm. this is like what 35 stories. So that's well, it's too much. I man. think the I think the one actually on Stratosphere is probably higher up because it's on the top of of it, right? Right. It's even oh, scarier yeah. than New York, New York. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I'm saying this, the polar coaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, I gotcha. Um, the New York, New York roller coaster, I've heard, just rocks you around and, you know, rattles your bones and it's just a generally horrible experience. I don't know if that's the experience you got. <laughs> I actually didn't ride it either. Oh, okay. I think I was playing poker nice. or something. Um, we were gambling instead of riding, riding rides. 
I was gambling by myself many times that trip. So it's which was that was that our buddy Dave's bachelor party? That was that was indeed. Um, so it's two hundred three feet tall. So the polar coaster is significantly taller. Um, I don't know. This thing just looks horrifying to me. But that being said, I hope it gets built because I want something new and cool. And you want to be able to say, hey, baby, do you want to go ride the polar coaster? Yes, except the only person I would probably ever be saying that to is you, um, which is just kind of creepy and weird. But I don't ever talk to any girls, so that doesn't really (laughs) make any difference to me. And the podcast has taken a turn. And that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. We're married. We don't have to prove anything to anybody. Uh, and, And not to each other. Maybe the record show. Oh yes, that's important. See, see, we've talked. About, I've said this many times that Caesar's probably thinks we are like a com- common law married gay couple, in that we so frequently are the total rewards companion code on each other's trips. Many times, um, you know, certainly more frequently than we bring our our wives. Right, and you know. When I do bring my wife, uh, she doesn't have a TR card. She uses mine. I have uh, multiple copies of mine. And so, like, both of our comps will go onto my card. So, as far as Caesar knows, if they're not really on top of things, you know, between that and, you know, uh, one of my best friends is actually gay, and I don't know what he's in their system as, but I very frequently am his companion as well on these TR codes. I'm sure that you know, I probably get a lot of uh, LGBT promotions. Nice. It, it probably doesn't help that we have the same address on our cards and last name. <laughs> None of that is true. Uh, these are bad jokes. I'll probably cut all that out. Uh, <laughs> moving on to other new stuff. <laughs> uh, the Borgata is getting a new club in the spring of 2016, which is like two months away. Uh, yep. Premier Nightclub, which is a pretty bland name. Um, Mix has already closed. Murmur, which I thought was super popular, is going to close. Um, and and on top of that, they are expanding all of this space, and it is going to be 18,000 square feet of Oomts Paradise. Uh, so Borgata is basically saying, look, we already dominate in this area we are the place to go to club in atlantic city but you can't be stagnant we're taking it to the next level with 18,000 square feet uh i personally will never go to it i don't really care so chalk this one up to in the same realm as the polar coaster uh maybe where the polar coaster line will get used more than anywhere else actually probably the quarter in tropicana but right but uh as far as, you know, the number one casino, getting bigger, getting better, getting new stuff, uh, always good to see, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you ask my opinion, I would have said this would have been a great idea like three or four years ago when I think that, and like you said, I don't really know, I'm not a club guy, but from everything I read, from what I read about what's happening in Las Vegas, it seems like clubs are a bit on the downswing. But uh, I think that throughout the years, Borgata has 
shown that they should be given the benefit of the doubt. And so just simply because it's Borgata, I'll assume it's probably a good idea for them to open this, even though if it was any other casino, I'd be like, they, they probably should have done this a couple of years ago instead of now. Right, so the talk in Vegas is that, like, EDM is dead, the celebrity DJ is on the way out, you know, Wynn is open and is changing all their clubs over, and they're just saying, you know, EDM is still going to have its place, but other stuff is, is coming in to take over, you know, ultra lounges and whatever else. Ultra lounges is probably even some old thing that I only know about because I'm over 30. Uh so I don't know if this is going to be a DJ club, I'd assume. I mean, they mix and murmur are gone, so the DJs have to go somewhere. Uh, but it is it is a little interesting that they're going all in on this, right? Like, they now cannot really diversify their club experience so much, right? Unless, I mean, I don't know what a club looks like. Like, I'm assuming it's going to have a bunch of different sections, and you can go in... You know, maybe one section's going to have the DJ and another section's going to be like some other kind of music or there'll be a lounge as part of it. Um, this is all just assumptions. So they've got a quick turnaround, so it's going to happen soon. Uh, but other than that, uh, I guess we'll we'll see more about it as, as they start building it. So do you think that, I think you said uh, when you were talking about it, that the Borg was kind of like the the best place for nightlife? In Atlantic City, do you think that's true? Because I actually don't think that's true, which is probably why why they're doing this. What do you think is the best? I, I'd say uh, probably, you know, from what I've seen from the people I've seen walking around the casino floor on Saturday nights, uh, either somewhere like the Trop or somewhere like maybe Harrah's. So and 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 honestly, you know, I've heard that <laughs> a lot from you, but I, I've heard that. Uh, Golden Nugget actually has a pretty good nightlife scene as well with Haven. Right, so Golden Nugget certainly promotes theirs a ton <laughs> on Twitter, that, which is all I really know about it. Uh, so so I, I've actually heard an interview with Don Guardian as well where he specifically says that Golden Nugget does a great job with sort of the the club crowd. Interesting. I don't know if that means anything because, you know, he's an old white dude. We're like slightly less old white dudes, so I, I I don't know, but I assume that he would know that kind of thing. Yeah, this is a game for young white dudes. Yeah, um, I don't which, know which none of the three of us are. Right, and I'm you know I see all these things on on Twitter about who the incoming DJs are, and and the two things that I can't get over is how bad some of the DJ names are, or like how self-aggrandizing some of the DJ names are. And and also how all their promo pictures look like they work at the same law firm as associates and they like just got off work and they loosened up their tie and rolled up their sleeves and they're ready to hit the ones and twos, um, which is the only DJ term I know. And then gonna make the oonts, man. And then they're going to make the oonts and get those people onto the dance floor. Um, that's right. So that's pretty much all I know. Uh, you're right. Harrah's, I think, I mean, they've only got the one club, right? The pool after dark. But it seems like that's really popular with the young, with the youngsters, with the whippersnappers. Yes. Um, and then you know, Tropicana obviously has the quarter, so they right. they have several clubs. They have good club options. Um, right. I mean, even Caesars has a. Uh, I think dusk. it's called Dusk, yeah. right? Yeah, and they've actually so they have Dusk now, and I think they've. I don't know if it's always been there, but just in looking up what to do on my next trip, they apparently have kind of a cool lounge that's 
part of now the Dusk Complex, they're calling it, up on the floor, uh, I guess the second floor you'd call it, <laughs> in, mm-hmm. at Caesars. Yep. Um, so that's all, you're right, maybe, maybe Borgata is not the dominant club player that I think they are, and certainly if you look at their clientele, um, uh, you know, just the fact that it's a pretty tasteful casino and it's, it's nice and generally it is kind of high it, high rent. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's a totally different clientele. It's not generally speaking, it's not a lot of twenty one and twenty two year olds. I think, and and I think they might want to try to change that. So so one thing we talked about previously that I just want to touch on here before we finish up is we had mentioned briefly, you know, what makes someone from New York City want to go to a club wants to go to the clubs in Atlantic city, you know, want to take the bus or get in a car and drive down to Atlantic city to go to clubs when there are, you know, hundreds of clubs in New York city, especially if you live in New York city or on public transit to New York city, what makes you want to go to Atlantic city? So I was thinking about that a lot, especially because I had the same conversation with one of our friends within the last week. Um, and I think there are a few things. One of them being that, it's probably significantly cheaper once you're at the club and and you could argue, well, you've got to get down there, but you probably don't have to do too much at the club to make up the difference, like to, to skyrocket the price in New York city. You probably don't have to drink too much or I don't know what else you even spend money on in the club drugs, I guess Molly. Um, but that doesn't go to the club, you know, I don't know. Maybe the Molly's cheaper in Atlantic city. So, but you know it's like a $42 bus ride you get $25 in slot credit so if you're if you're like me and you say that's a $17 bus ride uh even though you lose all your slot credit um you know you don't have to do much to make up a $17 difference and even if you're getting a room and you're splitting it with you know three of your bros and you've got four dudes and each of you are spending like 50 bucks on the room which would be on the high side <laughs> you're still only talking about, you know, 60, 70 bucks that you've got to make up in difference. And there's just something cool about going someplace to the club, right? Like if you live in New York City or if you live on the New Jersey Transit or the Metro North or whatever it is and you go into Atlantic City, having to trudge back on that transit late at night after going to the clubs like probably doesn't sound all that appealing. Whereas... You know, you go someplace, there are a bunch of clubs in one spot. You don't have to worry about how you're going to get home. You have a cheap room. Uh, that's probably pretty cool if you're, like, 25 years old. Just I'm just trying to get in the head of, of a 25-year-old and think about what, why they go down there. And I don't think it's as crazy as we sort of assumed that it was. No, I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, I know, like, personally, my wife used to go to the clubs in Atlantic City. Like, not a lot, but... I know she's been with friends, I think partially because one of her friends was dating a guy who lived in New Jersey, but I know she's come up here a lot. I know that my my brother and his wife went to Atlantic City for New Year's Eve a year or two ago to go to the clubs, so it does happen. And I also, I think the clubs... And it's not like there's not clubs in D.C. or whatever. Right, and the other thing I think is that the people... I think the clubs in New York, and this is just based on being in crowded bars in New York, I think they probably skew really old. Like, the people in New York who have money are, like, older than I am. And so the clubs... It's old. So the clubs are full of, like, 32 to 35, you know, people who are, like, 
doctors and lawyers who haven't had any fun because they've been working too hard on college and getting their degrees and now they're finally like single and free and have a lot of money and like that's the people who go to New York clubs so if you're like 23 and you go to a club that's full of a bunch of like 32 to 35 year olds that's probably not that enticing that being said bringing it back to boogie nights because everything has to relate to boogie nights and I will be so upset if we did not mention them on an episode of the podcast we were maybe like the third youngest group of people at boogie nights when we went yeah we were we were definitely among the youngest people there and not and, and it, it's not like we were like there were a lot of 35 year olds so we were the youngest it's like there were a lot of 50 year olds so we were the youngest right so our our friend i mean we just had dinner with our lunch over the break over the christmas break with uh some friends of ours and uh one of our friends his wife grew up in Ocean City, or like near Ocean City, and their, her parents had a house in Ocean City. And her, she said her parents go to Boogie Nights in Tropicana. Her parents, not her. <laughs> so that gives you an idea of, of what the age uh, spectrum is there. Um, so, And the other thing about the TROP is that I used to teach at a college. Uh, I used to teach journalism classes, and I had a student who said that she and her friends would go down – uh, would take the bus down and go to the casinos at the Trop and then take the bus right back up in the morning. So, you know, you get that ticket with the open return uh, whenever you're out of money or, you know, too drunk to dance anymore or whatever it is or your heels just hurt. Uh, you hop on that bus and you go back. So the 42 bucks includes the return trip. So I think... I can't get into the mind of of a person who is 21 years old, <laughs> but apparently they go to uh, to the clubs at the Tropicana and then take the bus back at four in the morning. Right. So I don't know how many articles you've been reading about clubs in general, but I read an article a couple months ago, I guess, about you know how important the clubs are in Las Vegas, and it was all about how. You know, they're trying to cut down on the number of traditional hosts that they have in Las Vegas. And for people who don't know, hosts are people whose job it is to basically make uh, whales, who are people who gamble a lot, happy. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it was about how in Las Vegas they're trying to cut down on the number of hosts who are looking for whales. And they are actually trying to add hosts who are looking for what are called like basically like club whales who... Every time they go to the club, we'll get bottle service and we'll spend, you know, $20,000 a night or $50,000 a night at, at the, the club. So, I mean, it, it's a thing that that is a good way for the casinos to make money. And like I said last episode, you know, the casinos are in the business of making money. They don't necessarily care if it's from gambling or if it's from nice restaurants or if it's from clubs or if it's from shops or whatever. Yeah, and it, and the markup obviously on the booze at the club is right. insane. The bottle you know, service—you're paying three hundred dollars yeah. for a bottle of Grey Goose, and they're buying all this in bulk and getting it for probably like you know less yeah, than ten bucks, bucks. Yeah, bucks <laughs> something insanely cheap. Fifteen bucks probably uh, for 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 a bottle. Um, they're just making tons of money, and for for the privilege uh, of sitting at a seat and and having a bottle of booze, so that if members of the opposite sex come over, you can pour them a glass of yep. something. That's pretty much it. As far as I understand yeah. it, as far as yep. my old ass understands. I mean, basically you're trying to buy sex more or less. 
Although I hear there are cheaper ways to do that, if that's really what you want. I'm, I'm told any alley in Atlantic City, you can do that. Um, that's that not personal experience. That's not. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I mean, have you... Uh, I mean, you know, I've been to Atlantic City a lot more than I've been to Vegas, and yet, uh, you know, I've never been propositioned by a prostitute in Atlantic City, which is not the case in Vegas. Oh, I mean, no. in Vegas, they're, like, all over the place. No, you can't swing a dead cat in Vegas without hitting a prostitute. Um, right. And... Like, never mind the card slappers, which are also prostitutes, but not actually there. I mean, it's, it's a prostitute Rolodex, basically. Yes. Um, no, I've only had one encounter, and it wasn't even like, you know, the typical, hey, you want a party? Like, come on. Let's, it, was right. just, it was just this creepy woman who was, like, pulled lingerie out of her shopping bag and was like, do you like this lingerie? And I was just like, I'm going back inside. And that was, was that in Vegas? No, no, that was in Atlantic City. That was over. Oh, really? It was between the uh, the walk outlets, which just for the sake of the story, I really hope she bought it at the walk outlets because that's awesome. Um, and Bally's, so like over by whatever that hospital center is. I was like walking there to go back into Bally's, and this woman kind of followed me and started asking me questions, and she seemed like pure sadness. <laughs> right. Now, that's never happened to me in Atlantic City. And like I said, I've been in Atlantic City a lot. Whereas if you're in Vegas and you happen to be, like, at a bar at all, anywhere, no matter what, at, like, you know, 1 a.m., like, you are going to get propositioned. Oh, yeah. So uh, I guess it was now three years ago when we were in Atlantic City, or when we were in Vegas during... Hurricane Sandy, uh, I got stuck out there for an extra day and everybody else got out. Um, and so I was in MGM. They had comped me one night. They agreed to comp me a second night just because I couldn't get my flight back. So that was right. And I stayed with you the first night, right? Right. So then the second night I was just wandering around on my own and I ended up like, I just, I didn't feel that good as we've talked about. Um, right. I had fat burger. I don't blame fat burger. I think it was just my own sort of weird nervousness about going back and my Vegas trip being over. But I'm walking around MGM Grand at like three in the morning. It's a like a Monday and they're vacuuming, which is really weird to see people vacuuming casino <laughs> carpet. If you haven't it's really jarring um to see like a vacuum cord across a slot machine. And then and I'm looking around and there are all these like I don't know, maybe thirty year old women who are very well dressed, like professionally dressed but, like, you walk by, and they'll, like, stare at you and give you a little smile. And for, like, a split second, you're like, oh, that's weird. Like, all these girls are interested in me. And then you're like, wait a minute. I'm not that dumb. I mean, maybe I'm that dumb. But, like, no, clearly these women are working. Um, so that is just everywhere in Vegas. Uh, and, the, I mean, these people are, like, at, sitting at slot machines because it's 3 in the morning. Nobody's going to tell them to go away. Uh, so that was kind of, you know, I've never had anything like that in Lake City. No. So that's something that's very pro Atlantic City. That's something we can take with us and say, "Hey, Atlantic City has less whores." <laughs> I hear Samuel was on the prowl again. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, did somebody say whores?" <laughs> oh my goodness, this is insane. Uh, it's pretty loud. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I think he does it just to spite me at this point. <laughs> 
so is that is that is that a wrap up then? Is that how we're going to end it with just hacking dogs? <laughs> Samuel's just making the most noise possible in the background. That sounds about right. That <laughs> seems to fit with with. Oh my! He's walking right here. He's literally a foot away from the microphone. And now he okay. Now he's getting into the baby stroller, like the undercarriage part of the baby stroller. He's getting into that, and he's he's in it. He's fully in it. <laughs> Oh, God, I have to go, like, deal with this dog. <laughs> so that seems like it's... I think it's a good place to rest. I think up. that's as good a place as any. We're, we're at a perfect time, I think, even if you do or do not cut out various conversations we've had. Wow, I mean, what a way to end it. What a way to end it, man. So this, again, is the Do For A Win podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Do For A Win. Uh, email us at win at gmail.com. I should probably check that email. Did you, get any, did you even check it before this episode? Uh, no, I didn't check it. So I'm really on top of things. With we could have probably had a lot of questions from all of our interested listeners, and now I'm, they will go unanswered. I'm going to go way out on a limb and say not one email. That's my guess. Not even one. Um, maybe that's cynical of me. But that's my guess. Anyways, uh, I'll check that later. I, I'll probably forget, but email us still. Definitely email us. It'll make me feel good. Uh, you can f- find our podcast on iTunes. We are on iTunes. Um, or at doforawin.com. That's where we post the show and update with show notes and links. There will be lots of news links from this show. Uh, thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Go run up those tier credits that you've lost all of over the new year. Yep, Happy New Year. We'll talk to everyone in two weeks. Did you like my uh, random G-chat while you were talking about Tropicana? I did, and I couldn't remember if I told the story about standing at the bus line at 7 in the morning. The bus comes to New York, and like all these people get off, and it's like half-tired Makeup, twenty-one-year-old girls, makeup, you know, running down their face because they were sleeping on the bus. Club girls, uh-huh. just you know, in in like cocktail, not cocktail dresses, but like you know, club outfits. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Wow, I'm so old that I said cocktail dresses. They were in their nightgowns, Kyle. Um, <laughs> I thought it must have been my birthday. <laughs> and then, super well-rested looking octogenarians who clearly like played the slots, ate the buffet at 4:30 p.m. Went to sleep went to and then sleep. woke up at 4 a.m. and got on yes, the bus? in their comped room and then got on the bus. And, it, you know, I was getting the bus at 7 a.m., so it must have left at 4. <laughs> and, yeah, that was it was just incredible to see this theater. Awesome group of people. Theater of life at its finest. Um, just walk through the door to the Port Authority bus terminal in New York. Yeah, man. Which, I've heard amazing things about the Port Authority bus terminal. It is. It's worse. It's a legend. It's worse than anything in Atlantic City. It's known around the world. It's it's bad. It's shitty. Ah, uh, it's good. <laughs>